Romans chapter number 11, verse number 7. The Bible says, What then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded. According as it is written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that should not see, and ears that should not hear unto this day. And David saith, Let their table be made a snare, and a trap, and a stumbling block, and a recompense unto them. Let their eyes be darkened, that they may not see, and bow down their back always. Let's go, Lord, in a word of prayer. Dear Lord, most kind, gracious Heavenly Father, I love you so much, Lord, and I thank you for your many blessings, your grace, your love. Thank you for your spirit in this place tonight. God, thank you for being a God who's worthy of our praise. And God, thank you for being a God who can stop by and meet with us on a Wednesday night. I pray for a little while tonight you'd help us, Lord, as we gather around your word. God, I pray you would speak to hearts tonight as only you can do. And God, I pray we wouldn't leave this place uh, seeing the preacher, but Lord, we'd leave tonight hearing from heaven. That's my prayer. I pray you'd speak to hearts. God, I pray you'd be glorified. I love you, Lord, and I thank you. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You might be seated. We read here tonight in Romans chapter number 11, and we read verse 7 down through verse number 10. And I will say this about Romans chapter number 11, and right there uh, in uh, the middle of verse number 7, we find the word that many people are afraid of, and we find that many people take that word and they apply it to truth that is no truth at all. Uh, it is falsehood. Uh, some people take the book of Romans, maybe this chapter in particular, Brother George, and they try to produce false doctrine out of these verses. And uh, contrary to what people say, John Calvin didn't always have it right. Uh, there is no Calvinism here in these verses. Some people take these words... Uh, particularly the word election, and they take that word and try to manipulate it to mean something that it means not. And a good way to uh, brother Ed, uh, remove any possibility of being caught up in a false doctrine, we got to know context. And I hope you all will know this before I even say it tonight, but Romans 9, 10, and 11 deal with what people group? The Jews. Right. And so when we find the word election in Romans chapter 11, verse number 7, we find that it's talking about the Jews. It is not talking about God handpicking these for heaven and these for hell. That is what the claims are made from verses in Romans, particularly some here in chapter number 11. We do not find that. So that thought in mind, we're looking at the nation of Israel again because we are in Romans Chapter number 11, and of course Romans 9, 10, and 11 are national in division. That, brother, they deal with the nation of Israel. And the verses tonight, they are speaking in response to a statement God made, particularly about the nation of Israel. So we're going to talk about the nation of Israel. And I want to preach on this subject with God's help. I'm preach on self-inflicted wounds. Self-inflicted wounds. I wish you'd hear me tonight. And I'll go and apologize to the note takers tonight. I pray there are some of you here. I think there are. But I don't have any points tonight. Uh, we want to look at these four verses. And I guess we could make three divisions in the four verses. But I don't have any points. But if you've got to have points to write down, I want you to write these two things down. 
Uh, their wounds aren't God's fault. Number one. Number two, their wounds are their fault. That's right. Amen. Uh, if you fall off a bicycle, uh, unless somebody pushed you, it's your fault. That's right. You skint your knee. Uh, God did not push Israel off its bike. Amen. Uh, Israel did not listen to the heat of God. They did not put their knee pads on. They did not put their helmet on. They drove at a, that brother Ed, they paddled at a speed too fast. They took a jump that they were not experienced enough to take and they skimped their knees and it was not God's fault. Self-inflicted wounds. Y'all with me tonight? Yes, sir. Verse seven. Verse 7 starts with, the, with two words, what then? What then? The question. This question launches a follow-up or um, a, 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 a follow-up of sorts to uh, what we saw last week about this reserved remnant, this by grace Jewish remnant. Uh, Brother George, we saw last week that they were reserved by grace. Why is God always going to have a remnant of the nation of Israel? Because they've been reserved by grace. And then uh, at, since the beginning, there's been a remnant to, uh, through the history. There's been a remnant to this day. There's a remnant all the way to the end of this thing, to the end of human life as we know it. To, uh, there will be a remnant. Why? Because of grace. So this, this verse launches us with a follow-up to that reality of that Jewish remnant. And this follow-up presents some facts about the nation of Israel. Look what the Bible said. Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for. I think it's very imperative first to recognize that he is not referring to God, that he is talking about the nation of Israel. He, Israel, has not obtained what he is looking for. Can I say it that way? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for. This refers to the nation of Israel collectively. I need to say this quickly and we'll move on. Uh, but when we look at the nation of Israel as a whole, uh, from its conception, uh, stemming from Abraham to present day, until there is that, that glorious restored remnant to, uh, following the return of Jesus Christ in glory on the day of Armageddon. Y'all with me? Amen. On that day, from the beginning, uh, throughout history to today, uh, the reason uh, when we look at them, that we know there is that, but when we look at them as a whole today, when we look at them as a whole in Abraham's uh, the short uh, history after Abraham, when we look at them down through the ages, when we look at them the present day up until the millennia, we, what we see there is, Miss Ginger, we cannot collectively say that everybody in the nation of Israel has received or obtained what they're looking for. What was Brother Jacob? What are they looking for? They're looking for righteousness. But the problem is, is Romans 9 teaches us they've looked for it in all the wrong places. I don't know, but it's a sad, it's a sad reality. Not all of them are going to see, and Brother George, not all are going to obtain what they're looking for, but thank God there will be one day, one group one day, uh, they will find the very righteousness they're looking for, and it won't be in rites or rituals or ceremonies. Y'all with me tonight? It'll be in the shining, glorious, returned Lord of glory. So Israel collectively hath not uh, obtained it. But the Bible goes on to say, but the election hath obtained it. So collectively, they have not obtained it. Brother Ed, the Bible tells us about this. There's a group here referred to as the election that hath obtained it. This refers to a portion of the nation of Israel. So just, just with me, we're breaking down verse 7. 
Collectively, Sister Carolyn, they have not obtained. But there is a portion that has obtained it. Well, the Bible doesn't in there. It's going to tell about that other portion. And the rest were blinded. Now, I, I heard somebody, uh, I read somebody today that said this. I don't know how true it is. But they say that word blinded is very similar to the word we find for hardened or calloused. I don't know. Maybe there is a Greek correlation there, but I don't speak Greek and neither do you, all right? But the truth of the matter is, is we've got one, we, as a whole, they've not obtained. But there is a group, there's a part, there's an elect body that has obtained. And then the rest, can I say a majority, they're blinded. Now let me say this, I move from verse 7 quickly to verse number 8. Verse 7 ends... With no punctuation. Y'all see that? There's no comma, no colon, no semicolon, uh, no parentheses, nothing of the sort, no period, no exclamation, no question mark. And you say, well, what? I'll be honest, at first glance, thinking about what I was going to be preaching uh, this week, uh, I said, man, my new Bible's got a typo. <laughs> That's what I thought originally. And then I looked at, looked at Romans 11 on my, in my other Bible and then on my phone app and I realized, wow, I guess I just I didn't put that in memory that it's never had a punctuation there. And you say, well, what's the big deal, Brother Jacob? It ends with no punctuation. So we have to recognize, we must deduce that uh, the next verse completes the previous verse. Remember, remember, this is a very beneficial. Chapter and verse divisions are predominantly man-made. There's a few exceptions to that. There are book divisions in the book of Psalms. I don't think the tr translators, I don't think they did that. I think there was actual volumes of the hymn book, Brother Bill. Uh, there are some divisions. I think in Isaiah, there is, a, if you wanted to be serious about it, you could have Isaiah, first Isaiah and second Isaiah, third Isaiah, but I, uh, that's beside the point. But just remember that the, the divisions are mainly man-made. So verse 7 doesn't end, it just flows right on into verse number 8. And it says, in parentheses, according as it is written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear, unto this day. Can we read it in the flow of there is no punctuation? And the, look at the very telling of verse 7. And the rest were blinded, according as it is written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see, ears that they should not hear, unto this day. Blinded. How? Unto this day. Why? Look at those parentheses. According as it is written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see, ears that they should not hear. So verse 8 is going to complete the sentence, it's going to complete the thought, and it's going to talk about this spiritual blindness and elaborate it all in the parentheses. The blindness in verse number uh, uh, 7 that verse number 8 elaborates on refers to the rest, the rest in verse number 7. And it refers to their decision to be blind. Now I'm going to say something, and I hope it makes sense tonight. They're blind, and it's not God's fault. There are some people who look at these verses and say, well, God caused them to be blind. But if you think God made them blind, you must also believe that God made Pharaoh's heart hard. But the reason God hardened Pharaoh's heart is because Pharaoh decided to have a hard heart. And the reason the nation of Israel is blind is because they chose to be blind. 
That's very important to note about God. Very, very, very important to know about God. This is the truth. I, I hope this is plain enough the way I'm trying to portray it. God facilitates the adamant decisions of men. When men say, brother, when men say, God, I'm not doing that. No way, no how. I draw a line in the sand. God, I'm not changing my mind. God says, fine. Have it your way. Are y'all with me tonight? Yes, sir. God is not going to force people to impose His will on people. He presents His will, Sister Carolyn. But if they say, I'm not doing it, God says, fine. Now, this is probably not a popular parenting truth, but sometimes kids don't listen. Y'all with me? I know it just ain't mine. I got good kids, but sometimes they don't listen. And sometimes as a parent, you gotta, they got to learn for themselves. What that means is sometimes they're going to hurt themselves or get themselves in trouble or break something because they don't listen to mom and dad. But more important than breaking a toy or scraping the knees or getting a bump on the leg, sometimes God says... All right, big boy. All right, big girl. Have it your way. Right. And I tell you, that's not a fun place to be in. God facilitates the adamant decisions of men. For example, God was not the author of Pharaoh's stubbornness. Uh, I, I know we preached on this back in uh, chapter number 9, uh, around verse 15, 16, 17, 18. I'm not going to go back and re-preach that tonight, but I'm giving it as an example. God is not the author of Pharaoh's stubbornness. That's a great example of this. God and his foreknowledge knew that Pharaoh would fight him. So what did God do? He assisted Pharaoh with what Pharaoh personally chose. Now some people say, well, God made Pharaoh make that decision. No, God's given man free will. And the nation of Israel, Brother George, they had free will. And you said, I'm not sure about that, Brother Jacob. God just uh, uh, forced them to be blind. No, uh, Sister Kathy, time and time again, God showed His grace, His love, and His mercy, and His goodness to them, and His blessings, and His prosperity. And they turned a blind eye to it, and they spat in the face of God. Are y'all with me tonight? And uh, they just kept kept going down that same trail over and over again. And can I just tell you, you know what's amazing is Israel kept doing the same thing over and over again and expected a different result. You know what that is? That is the definition of insanity. You do the same thing over and over and over again and expect a different result. That is insanity. And what the nation of Israel did was insanity. God knew that there would be a large portion of the nation who would not believe Him. They would not respect His altars. He knew that they would reject the prophets. They knew they would uh, uh, go into sin and they worship the creation more than the creator. God knew that. And you say, how did God know that? He's God. He is all-knowing. He is the omniscient God. He knows everything. And in Pharaoh's case, God knew that he would fight him. So God says, fine, you want to fight me? Buckle up. And I say it this way, uh, Pharaoh, God knew Pharaoh was going to fight him. So God said, well, here, you might want these gloves. Come on. And swing for the fences, Pharaoh. And we know how that wound up. God destroyed Pharaoh and his armies. The host of Egypt. Uh, He wanted a hard heart, so God helped him with it. 
God showed mercy, revealed his power to Pharaoh, but nevertheless, God allowed Pharaoh to have his way. I got a point to say, I'm not going to go back and preach Romans 9, but I got to mention this again quickly tonight. I don't want to miss this. I don't want to pass this by. I don't want anybody with any misconceptions. It was God's divine plan for the children of Israel to get out of Egypt. Why? Because the children of Israel had to continue. They had to go to Canaan. And one day there would be a Messiah born. His name was Jesus Christ. Miss Judy, that was the plan of God. They got to get out and there's got to be a Messiah. That plan did not was, was not uh, dependent on Pharaoh's death. If Pharaoh would have said, hey, Moses, Aaron... Y'all go. Y'all been here long. I don't even know why y'all are down here anyway. And you know what? Your God sounds like a pretty smart guy. I think I'll just listen to you and let let y'all go. But no, Pharaoh purposed in his heart that he would defy God. And he challenged God. Sister Carolyn, every day that he challenged God, opposed God and his choice, God says, fine, I'll double it for you. Thank your heart's hard. I'll make it even harder. The truth of the matter is, that's the same thing that happened with the nation of Israel. They chose blindness. And God says, you want to be blind? You want to, Remember, we talked about a couple weeks ago uh, in uh, chapter number 10, verse number 21. We ended with a picture looking at the prophecy. Uh, I believe it was Isaiah. And God said he's standing there with his arms stretched out. And they kept pretending like they didn't hear him. They didn't see him with his arms stretched out. God says, fine, you can't see me. I'll make sure that you don't see me. Let me say this again. God facilitates the adamant decisions of man. And I guess we could say God facilitates the adamant decisions of nations or majorities of nations. Let me say this. God, I'll just point this out. With blindness, with the blindness of the nation of Israel, um, God did the very same thing. Many of Israel were set on being blind and sadly God allows them to have their way. You know, some people try to live a godless life. Brother, they had a life totally void of God. And you know what God does? I'll help you with that. I think that's Romans chapter number 1. They did not like to retain the knowledge of God in their mind. So what did God do? He turns them over to a reprobate mind. You don't want me in your mind. I'll make sure that I'm not in your mind. Some people say, I don't want God in my life. God says, fine, I'll make sure you don't have me in your life. Y'all with me tonight? I hope I'm, I'm not out in left field. Baseball season's over, all right? Uh, truth, got to point this truth out. God does not force salvation. God does not force salvation. People say, God drug me down to the altar by my ear, put me in a chicken wing, drug me down there. God, don't do that. You may feel drawn, but He don't drag you down there. God doesn't force salvation. God doesn't force salvation, nor did He force Pharaoh's stubbornness, nor did He force this I am fine blindness. There are people in the day in the same condition, Sister Kathy, as the nation of Israel, and they got this persona portrayed. This uh, is a disposition of life. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm fine. I, I don't need your religion. I don't need your God. I don't need your book. I don't need that church. Uh, they think it, but they're wrong. And what's so sad is, uh, as people uh, persistently reject God. They get more uh, used to being away from God and without God. And eventually they'll reach a point where God says, fine, you don't want me. You don't have to have me. That's That's a sad truth, but it is a truth. God does not impose His choice on men. God allows men to make their own choices, then helps them with it. Let me say that again. 
God does not impose His will on men. He lets men make their own choices, and then He helps them with their choices. You say, what do you mean? God gave Adam and Eve the free will, gave them the instruction, don't eat this fruit, but gave them the ability that, Miss Ginger, they could indeed eat the fruit, and they did eat the fruit, and they made the decision that they were going to get driven from the Garden of Eden. God says, fine, that's your choice. I'll help you do it. Here's an angel with a flaming sword. Y'all with me? They made the choice. God just says, fine, I'll make sure you don't come back. Y'all with me? There was a generation of nation Israel. They said, well, we don't, like, we don't like this God. We don't like His rules. We don't like His worship. We don't like His house. and We don't like playing by His rules. We are our own people. We are rising up against God. God says, fine, you don't like me. You don't like Jerusalem. You don't like my temple. Fine, you're going to Babylon and y'all aren't coming back. The house you knew is gone. The people you knew is gone. Y'all with me? God says, you make your decisions and I will help facilitate them. Let me say this. I got to get both sides of it. If you want God, He'll help you. He'll help you with that. If you want God, God will help you with that. There's people searching for God, looking for God, trying to find truth, trying to find the right way, Brother George, if they keep seeking truth, God's going to give them the truth. Because right. they have decided they want, they want, they're pursuing God, Mr. Ginger. And when you make the first step with God, God says, I'll help you there. Yes. But the alternate's also true. If you don't want God, God will help you with that too. Because He's just that kind of God. He's a perfect gentleman, don't you know? God is a perfect gentleman. He helps us with our choices. Amen. Many Jews, according to what is recorded in these parentheses, according as is written, God has given them a spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see, ears that should not hear. Many Jews wanted the spirit of slumber, eyes that would not see, and ears that would not hear. You say, well, Brother Jacob said God gave it to them. Yeah, but why did God give it to them? Because they wanted to pretend, I, I, I can't hear you, I'm asleep. Can't see you, I'm asleep. They kept turning a deaf ear and turning a blind eye to God. Brother Bill, God said, fine. You can't see me. A majority of you don't see me. You don't hear me. You don't want to listen to me. You won't attend to my words. That's fine. There is a body. There is an election. There is a group that will hear. They will see. They will be alert. They will be attentive. But that majority says, we don't want to hear it. We don't want to see it. Whose prophets are these? And remember the questions they brought in the prophets, the opposition, pretty much saying to the prophets, who do you think you are? Who do you think you're speaking on the behalf of? God. (laughs) And they would not hear the prophets. Some people today won't hear the preacher. They, accordingly, they wanted the spirit of slumber, so God gave it to them. They wanted eyes that would not see, God gave it to them. They wanted ears that would not hear, so God helped them with it. Brother Jacob, how long? Unto this day. It, it's crazy. Think about it. There are people who think that... I'm going to get in trouble saying this. Uh, there are people who think they can pedal a bicycle and knock on doors and they can get to heaven. Amen. There are people who think they can have some kind of sign gift and they're going to heaven. No. Same someone says, I gotta have long curly sideburns and pray towards this wall and weep. Uh, means of righteousness. 
There are those, and somebody will say that well, it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, you don't speak for all of Islam, but there are some of the Islamic faith who think they strap a bomb to their chest and blow up infidels that they're going to get heaven and 72,000 virgins, by the way. Yes, kind of weird. It is. Amen. Very weird. Y'all with me? And they think that they're seeking God, but they're not. They're not. If you want truth, God will give you truth. If you want to attend, God will show you. If you want to see, God will show you. If you want to hear, God will speak to you. I'm going to make a statement and move on. I made a statement a moment ago and it just came to my mind, so I've got to throw it out there to you. Uh, one thing that you can... You can you can really uh, pin pinpoint what is false religion, even cult uh, beliefs, is uh, if they've got perverted sensuality. Got all these virgins waiting for me. Well, I can have twenty wives if I want to have. Mark her down. It's perverted. If they're perverted in that area, they're perverted in other areas. If they think it's a sin for a man of God to be married to a woman, it's perverted. Y'all with me? Amen. There's a lot of people today doing a lot of things in the name of truth that is not truth. Many of the Jews, they didn't want to hear. They wanted to sleep. They wanted to be dull. They wanted to be callous. They wanted to be hardened. So God says, fine, I'll help you with that. Let me say this. Yes, that's very hard of God. God gave them the sleep of slumber. God gave them ears that wouldn't hear, eyes that wouldn't see. That's not very fair of God. He gave them what they asked for. That's right. That's pretty much the definition of fair, God giving you what you asked for. But I've got to point this out. You know it, and I've already said it, but I've got to say it again. They were sleeping, brother Ed, but God tried waking them up. I don't know about y'all, but I'm thankful there was a day in my life when my eyes were dim. I could not see. I did, my ears might have been plugged for a season. I couldn't hear. And I was asleep to the things of God. But one day God came by and woke me up. And opened up my blinded eyes. And then I was in a new world when the yes, Lord sir. saved me. Y'all with me? He tried waking them up. God had showed them Himself to them. He had spoke directly to them time and time again. But they were not interested in what God had to say. And what God had to offer. So God let them have their way. Amen. Amen. Verse 9 and 10. I'm I'm hurrying tonight. Y'all give me 10 minutes. We'll be done. And David saith, Let their table be made a snare and a trap and a stumbling block and a recompense unto them. And let their eyes be darkened that they may not see and bow down their back. Always. Verse 9 and verse 10 are a quotation of Psalms 69, verse 22, and verse number 23. The context of these verses in Psalms 69, verse 22 and 23, is David singing to God about the chosen lot of those who refused and rejected David during some dark days. Psalm 69 20 tells of David looking for some to take pity and for comforters. Brother Ed, the Bible said, but he found none. 
look for those to show pity and for those to be comforters. But he found none. Psalm 69.21 tells us of those who refused and rejected David, adding insult to injury and increasing the sting. They did not help David and further hurt him in the process. Can I, I'm going to say this. It's going to be real comical. Um, it's kind of like this. I'll give you a good example of this. Yeah, not only will I not go out with you, the reason I'm not going out is because you're fat. I mean, I mean, just as, as plain as they. And not only just, I wouldn't help them. Doing it. Brother George just added insult to Andrew. They made it worse. David was in a dark season, a dark time. And Brother Bill, he was looking for comfort from somewhere, and nobody would help him. Nobody would pity him. No one was there for him. Psalm 69 and its quotations here are, and I'm going to say a word, I might not even say it right. I did not practice the pronunciation. I've learned through the years that I'm not great at uh, pronunciation, but I'm going to do my best on this word. I I know what the word means. I just don't know if I know how to say it right, okay? Psalm 69 and its quotation uh, are imprecatory in nature. That's a... Imprecatory Psalms, I think that may be right, it may be wrong. If I'm pronouncing it wrong, I'm sorry. At least it's not as egregious as me saying misogynist instead of misogynist, all right? Uh, Amen, I've spoken fun at myself. But these Psalms and this quotation are imprecatory in nature. Which So what does that mean, Brother Jacob? That means that the Psalm, Psalm 69... Uh, and uh, uh, this quotation here in Romans chapter number 11, what do they do? What is their nature? They project evil. Yes, evil. They pro- times they project evil. The psalmist is saying, no one comforted me. No one would pity me. Uh, they've uh, given me gall and given me vinegar. And I mean, all I was needed was a hand. I needed a little acceptance. And nobody would do a thing for me. And they added insult to injury. And the psalmist says, God, that's what they did. So here's what you need to do. Let their table become a snare, a trap, a stumbling block. The same thing Paul's quoting here is that projection of evil. And you say, oh, that's sinful. That's bad. I read a quote today, and i got to mention it. These imprecatory or projecting evil psalm or projecting evil quotation, this is what Sorsen said of these verses in Psalm 69. This is not so much a spirit of revenge as it is prophecy. It's not so much God, David saying in Psalm 69, Oh yeah, God, break their leg while you're at it. No, it's David saying, God, their leg's going to end up broken. David is not begging God to break their leg. He's just singing, God, their leg's going to be broken. It's not revenge, it's prophecy. This is what you've chosen, this is what you've done, and this is the lot you're going to get. In both instances, Psalm 69 and in Romans 11, verse 9 and 10, uh, both instances, and I will say this, I didn't point this out, but i got to mention it, Psalm 69 is also very a very Masonic psalm, 
not Masonic, that thing to launch. Messianic. There you go. I got to pronounce that one right. Amen. Not Masonic, Messianic. I, uh, don't hope, judge me too bad for that one. Uh, but Messianic in nature, meaning Messianic, it refers to the Messiah. And just as, uh, just as David said, no one would pity me, no one would comfort me. It's a picture of the Lord Jesus on the cross. Yeah, and the gall and vinegar, yeah. Perfect pictures there. David experienced this season, but it really portrays a beautiful picture of the Lord Jesus. And then we find this quotation here again in Psalm chapter, not Psalm, Romans chapter number 11. The same way David was treated, the same way the Lord Jesus was treated on Calvary, and the same way God is treated by who? The nation of Israel. They wouldn't accept Him. They wouldn't receive Him. They wouldn't believe Him. They didn't want what He had to offer. In both instances, this reality is true. It's not the spirit of revenge. It is prophecy. This is what's going to happen as a result of your choice. The chosen lot of those who rejected David and the Lord Jesus Christ and the Jews who spurned what God had to offer is a snare, a trap, a stumbling block, and just recompense. Just recompense, that's a big fancy way to say, is they got what they deserved. Amen. Sister Carolyn, they, they, they signed a, a, a dumb loan and they're going to pay dumb tax. Amen. I don't know how to say it any other way. And Brother George, they are going to get what they signed up for. They wanted to reject the, the, the Messiah. Uh, they're going to get what they, what, they, what they signed up for. They rejected the great God of heaven. So what they're going to get is a snare, a trap, a stumbling block. And they're going to get the payment of, their, of not God's decision, but their decision. Y'all with me? Now I've got to point this out quickly and move on. Let their table be made a snare and a trap and a stumbling block and a recompense unto them. The table... It's just a table to us. We have different tables in our life. We have end tables, coffee tables. Uh, we have the dinner table. But the table is much different to us than it is to the Jews. It wasn't just a place to fellowship with man and dive into food. The table was a place where they met with God. Uh, you go to the holiest of all, Brother Bill, there was a table uh, during, uh, during the, the several feasts and celebrations of, of Judaism. Uh, Sister Susie, their, their, their objective was we're going to go to these feasts and celebration and we're going to sit down at the table with Jehovah. Amen. God says, I'll let that table become a snare, a trap, a stumbling block, and a recompense. He said, what does it mean? Brother Ed, God says, you don't want me, but you want the religion, so I'm going to let that religion be a snare, a trap, a stumbling block. And recompense. And there's people today doing a lot in the name of the religion that are not doing in the name of God. Yes. There's listen. Uh, there, the, the, not to sound liberal in any sense of the word, but uh, I do get that Christianity is a religion. But it's made, it really is more than a religion. It's a relationship with God. That's what Christianity is. If you all you have is a religion and you have no relationship, you don't have anything. And uh, one, one way to put it is, is they, they, uh, they chose outward ceremony for inward communion. They, they chose outward rituals for an inward relationship. And Miss Judy, that's what they signed up for. We want, your, we want your scheme, God. We want your methods. And we want your provisions, but we don't want you. God says, fine, have Judaism and have it without me. And guess what? 
It's just growing today. They're having Judaism, and by and large, they're still having it without God. They have it in the name of Rabbi such and such. And Moses said, and Elijah said, Miss Kathy, God's not been around in a long, long time. He said, what do you mean, Brother Jacob? Because remember, when Jesus died on the cross, the veil in the temple was rent. What was that symbolic of? Well, symbolic of a lot of things, but one thing it interests you is that the day, the moment Jesus died on the cross, Judaism became a cult. It became a false religion. Christendom is the right way. And what, Brother Thomas, what they're clinging to, God says, fine, you can have it. You won't have me, and it's going to be a trap, a snare, a stumbling block. This is exactly what these rejecting groups have chosen for themselves. This is the bed they have made, and God will let them lie down in it. God will let them own it. Remember, God facilitates the adamant decisions of men. God's process, i got to say this, I'm wrapping up. God's process is along the lines of this. Mercy, mercy, mercy. And then have it your own way. I can't say for sure that it's mercy, mercy, mercy. But I do know that there's going to be mercy. And after mercy, it may be more mercy, more mercy, more mercy. But I know God's going to give mercy. And then there's going to come a time, Brother Bill, God says, have it your way. That don't just apply for the lost. That applies to us too. We try to do it our own way. God says, fine, crash and burn. God ever told you to crash and burn? Can I tell you, that hurts. That leaves scars that hurt long after the wounds healed. Amen. Mercy, 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 and then have it your way. God wants all men to see clearly and walk upright. That's verse 10. Let their eyes be darkened that they may not see and bow down their back always. This is one place where we find... Uh, quotation a little little different um, than what it says in the Old Testament. But the Old Testament talks about the eyes being darkened, but instead of saying the, the, their back being uh, bowed down all the way in the Old Testament, it says let their loins forever shake. Let their loins, for, it's loins forever shake or quake or something along that effect. And you say, well, that's different. One's about the loins, one's about the back. I think it's a result of the same thing. God, God putting a wound in the body or there being a wound in the body and it affecting how they walk, how they go about, how they live, how they function. And I think what God's trying to illustrate here, whether you take the Old Testament quotation about being the loin, and I think that it, I don't even have it wrote down which verse it is, but it's an Old Testament quotation uh, and it, it's talking about uh, the loins, whether it's the loins or the back, I think it's just, pro- it's just proof that if you decide to go against God, Sister Kathy, your life's going to be impaired from that point forward. And you say, God impaired me. No, He didn't. Uh, God crippled me. No, He didn't. You impaired yourself. You hurt yourself. You wounded yourself. And God wants all men to see clearly. God wants all men to walk uprightly. But those who reject Him, wound and subject themselves to spiritually darkened eyes and a debilitating spiritual posture. And that's the only way I can put it. It talks about the loins in the Old Testament. talks about the back in the New Testament. I think there's some kind of wound, some kind of impairment. And you say, Brother Jacob, what is that about? What is God trying to say? If you choose, say, God, I don't want you. Your eyes are going to be dimmed. Your eyes are going to be darkened. And oh yeah, you're going to be spiritually crippled. From this point forward, 
Don't make that decision. Israel's made that decision. It's a sad, it's a sad decision, but please know it's self-inflicted wounds. Self-inflicted wounds. And you say, wow, Brother Jacob, that's sad. Yeah, it is sad, but you know the truth today, there's many people that make the same decision as the nation of Israel does. I know that. God, God's offering Himself to people, maybe not in the same way as He did with the nation of Israel, but God is revealing Himself to people every day. And say, so I'm not interested. I'm not good. And the problem with that is that one day God will take you up on what you say. That's right. So instead of threatening or uh, endangering yourself with God taking you up on what you say, why don't you just do yourself a favor and take Him up on what He says? Being hurt stinks. But being hurt because you made a bad decision stinks worse. That's right. Hear me? It hurts to injure yourself, but it hurts worse when you injure yourself being not smart. There's a lot of people today that have something far worse than any physical ailment. They are spiritually crippled, and it's a self-inflicted wound. I'm done preaching tonight.